Good evening, Rabbi. I say good evening because of the star field behind you. Your purpose today in choosing that background is to discuss the universe and all its wondrous creations. Now, that leads to the question that you hardly ever hear in a church, a synagogue, or in any other religious discussion. Is the world created just for human beings? Or are there alien life forms out there? Does Judaism have any perspective on extraterrestrial life, for or against? Let's start with the book of Ezekiel in the scriptures. And Ezekiel, on verse 4, he begins, As I watched, a great storm wind came from the north, a large cloud with flashing fire, a bright glow all around it, and something like polished metal gleamed at the center of the fire. From within it, figures in the likeness of four living creatures appeared. This is what they looked like. They were human in form, but... And you'll have to read the book of Ezekiel to continue, and it's available in Hebrew, Greek, and in English. And chances are you have a copy of the scripture or the Bible in your nightstand on your bookshelf in your home. Turn to the book of Ezekiel. There you have it, Joe, revealed in scripture, hidden in plain sight. The prophet Ezekiel describes a UFO, uh, alien creatures, whatever you would like. What's fascinating is that most scholars don't want to accept the simple, easy solution that he is describing extraterrestrials. They want to go into this symbolism and metaphor language and all kinds of other stuff, where in other passages in scripture, the same scholars don't do that. They take the text for what it says. All of a sudden, the most literally-minded scholar doesn't want to take the book of Ezekiel literally, factually, for what the man saw. And it makes sense that his language gets kind of a little weird in places because he had no reference to what he was seeing. So let's take a look at some of our other literature, Joe, and see what we might find in our commentaries. And again, it's fascinating because the evidence is there. It's passed over. It's glossed over. It's buried. It's there. When we turn to the Midrash, there's a big discussion on the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The question was raised, was this the only creation? And the rabbis in the Talmud agreed, no, this couldn't possibly be. God is infinite. God can create anything. God can do whatever he wants. Why would I limit God by thinking that he could only make one kind of life form or one kind of plant. So the rabbis begin to discuss and they have a problem with the idea that there might be other things out there. And so, oh, God created many universes, but he destroyed each one as after created because it wasn't exactly what he wanted. And then he created another one. Oh, it wasn't quite what he wanted. And the rabbis discussed this process, and then God settled on our planet, our universe. 
And we read about Noah's Ark and the flood. And God was going to destroy this creation as well. However, he realized that all the others had failed and decided to stick with this one. So that's when he told Noah to build the ark and save everyone because God didn't want to destroy another creation that he had made. Right in the right in the Talmud, right there in our discussion. Then a couple of rabbis raised the question that was totally ignored. Why did he destroy the others? Is it possible that they're out there? God's infinite. And why would God destroy? Our, our creation wasn't perfect. If the others weren't perfect, why would he destroy them? Perhaps they are out there. Silence. The commentators and the rabbis are conspicuously silent concerning that question of all of God's other creations out there. Then we turn in to other places in our literature. And there are other references throughout the scriptures about the giants, about those fallen from heaven. And again, we find very few commentators wanting to accept those passages in Genesis and in the book of Judges, references to other planets. Again, the evidence is there. And that's what's very curious, Joe. I think scholars and a lot of our religious leaders have individually decided they don't like the idea that human beings aren't the center of creation. Reminds me of Galileo when he pointed out to the church that the earth wasn't the center of the universe, that the earth revolves around the sun and there are other planets. And I think that's kind of infectious, that we are so egocentric that we want to believe there's no other life forms out there. God, then if that's true, we're limiting God. God could create or do whatever he wants. Now, there's enough evidence for UFOs because of flight patterns, because of movements, because of pictures. However, there is a problem with this, Joe. It's, it, the problem is there are individuals out there who want to capitalize, monetize. And so they make up things. They make up videos. They say they witnessed something. So there are enough people out there of questionable motivation that when we have something that's real, it's easy for those that don't want to accept what's real to point out, oh, this is just another in a long line of fakes. So I think that adds to our problem. I We need to start by saying there is extraterrestrial life. Judaism supports it. The the One of the fascinating things I found was that Rabbis, by rabbis, I mean historically, present, past, and future. Accept alien life forms, but they don't want to accept the same level of intelligence or revelation. Yes, there's alien life, but God didn't reveal himself or herself to them. God only revealed himself, herself to us here on the planet Earth. And I found that as a thread. 
going through a lot. And again, it's very egocentric. Why are you limiting God and saying, oh, God created lots of different life forms. However, he only revealed himself to those living on the third rock from the sun. It doesn't fit with the rest of Jewish theology or philosophy. It doesn't. And again, I, I keep coming back to this idea that we want to be the center of whatever's going on. And it makes it harder and harder to actually find or talk about. Every time you bring something up, someone quotes one of the spurious, one of the charlatans, one of the weird sources, and you get dismissed. And then when you point to scripture and ask people to talk about it, all of a sudden they take an approach that negates the text or it becomes some bizarre metaphors when the person never approached scripture that way. I believe that God created alien life forms and there's no reason not to believe that they have a higher technology or that they're able to communicate or visit. And for whatever their reasons are, they've been observing or interceding. We don't know how much involved anything is. However, we, we can't limit God. Otherwise, it's not God. So, Rabbi, are you saying we should be hopeful that aliens, if when they eventually do come here, are going to be like E.T. or the day the Earth stood still and want to uh, help us and show us the way? and Or is it going to be more like Will Smith's Independence Day and we're all going to get blown up? I think we want to stay open to both possibilities. We really like the E.T. We, we like that idea of they're warm and cuddly and fuzzy. That's our creation in our head. And I would be making a big mistake if we assume that alternate life forms take that form. We want to be prepared for whatever may come from outer space. However, I think we have to start by looking at each other and saying, yes, there are life forms on other planets, other galaxies. And yes, we have been visited. And yes, Judaism supports the idea that there are extraterrestrials. Well, I know I support one terrestrial in particular, Rabbi. Thank you, as always, for your wisdom. I hope you and I get to go to the landing site together, hold up our hands and go nanu nanu in the Vulcan salute, and uh, welcome visitors to our planet. And Joe, I want to assure you, I am the real Rabbi Block. I'm not an alien imposter. <laughs>